Meth Monday returns with the story of... That was enough. I don't even have to explain the rest of the story, right? With the story of a man who just wants to inject meth in a Starbucks restroom and watch a little porn. What's wrong with that? And then we take a look at a bizarre new conspiracy theory that I just came up with. Well, I'm sure other people believe it, but it might be true. We spend so much time looking in the skies for aliens or looking at the people next to us wondering if they're men in black. What if the true aliens are trees? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. We got a ton of stuff to cover. First off, we got to welcome our newest Patreon supporter into Dead Rabbit Command, riding in on a beautiful, tiny little pony named Gamigan. It is Splack Artorius. Splack Artorius is riding in. He's like, I can't even listen to this episode yet on this tiny little demon pony. If you haven't listened to episode 666, Gammy Gan is a demon pony from that episode. It was a goofy episode, a fun episode, an episode for the fluffle for the fans. I really enjoyed recording it. I hope you guys had fun listening to it. And now Splacatorius is on the back of a murderous, tiny little pony person who may drown us all at any moment. But the moment is not now. The moment now is to toss Splack the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to... A Starbucks in your neighborhood, <laughs> wherever you live, the closest Starbucks, this is where that story took place. Gammy Ginn is suspiciously eyeing any large bodies of water as we're driving down the road, but Splack just keep driving faster and faster. Don't let Gammy Ginn murder us all. We pull up to a local Starbucks, we get out to go get a nice cup of joe. Do people still even, <laughs> Do people still even say that? I think my grandpa was the last human alive who called it a cup of joe. And he was probably saying it ironically. We're all getting out. Grandpa and the rest of you guys are getting out to get a cup of joe. This story was recommended to me by longtime listener Dylan Dobb. So thanks, Dylan. Dylan does not want to be associated with the story. He's like, shh, don't use my real name. I don't want people to know what I'm reading online. Dylan, we're all pointing at him in the crowd. Dylan, Dylan, we're saying his social security number and his home address. We walk into this local Starbucks. We're standing in line. We're getting our. We're going to get our cup of Joe. And there's a man in front of us. He he looks totally normal, right? You wouldn't think anything about it, but this man is actually the star of this story. His name, or his username, I don't think this was the name his parents gave him, is G Skeletor. So this is G Skeletor's story that he posted online. He was going to Starbucks, like we all do, for a little bit of coffee, for a little wake-me-up, a pick-me-up thing. You know, it's it's something you got to get that cup of joe in you before you get started working at the old factory. But, you know, cup of joe doesn't work for everyone. He wants a little bit of espresso and, and just a little bit of methamphetamine. So he orders his coffee. He goes, puts his coat down on his chair. This is very normal stuff. We've all done this. <laughs> the rest of the story is not normal at all. I'm trying to make it as normal as possible. And then he goes into the bathroom. And that's normal, too. We all have to defecate or urinate at least two or three times a day. He goes in there. But this is where this is where we enter the Twilight Zone. Once he opens the door, he passes into an alternate universe that's alien to, I hope, all of us. He says in his Reddit post, this is on Reddit, on the meth board, 
He says he's recently decided to change the game. He realized that it takes so much time to smoke meth. And if there's one thing that a meth user doesn't have a lot of, it's time. They're usually working like 10, 12 hours a day and sleeping no hours a day and then working the rest of the day. I don't have enough time to smoke meth. You know, you got to put it in your pipe and you got to like turn it. And that's it. That's all you have to do. It's not super labor intensive to smoke meth. But it's too long for G Skeletor. He has much better things to do. Conquer Eternia, for one. He can't waste time smoking, so he started injecting his meth. A true meth master, I might say. So he goes into the Starbucks bathroom and he injects his meth. Actually, now that I think about it, why would you order... <laughs> what good is coffee after you've done your meth? Like, you're like, oh, man, this meth, this meth, I'm going to get super high and strung out, but I also need some espresso. Like, why would you... I can understand waking up and being like, uh, I need some energy to go do my meth. It takes so long drinking a little coffee and then doing your meth. But at what point? Do, do you, what point do you inject meth into your body and go, this isn't enough? I also need a double shot latte. Like that would be, that would be nothing. But anyways, he does order, actually wrote, actually wrote down his order. It was a double shot vanilla espresso. That's like one grain of meth. Anyways, he shoots up this meth. He's a man of action. Doesn't have time to smoke. He shoots up meth. He goes out. He gets his double shot vanilla espresso. He drinks it. He's like, whoa, finally I'm awake. And then he sits down and he pops up his laptop. This man is... this. Okay, I guess I should have said this in the beginning. This is not child appropriate. So if you have kids, drop them off at the nearest Starbucks. Say, I have to listen to this podcast. You guys can hang out at the nearest Starbucks. This man loves to watch porn in public places. That's his big thing. Not the meth. Not the meth. That's just a side hobby. That's his hustle. His main thing is watching porn in public. He gets a little corner area so no one else can, like, see anything except for him. Puts his headphones in. Starts watching porn. Now, I... <laughs> I skipped this part. I skipped this part. I'm looking back at my notes. I love it because I couldn't find... He he posts a lot to the meth board, but he posts mostly to this board called Addicted to the Needle. I swear, Reddit is the biggest cesspool. The biggest cesspool on the planet. There's a subreddit called Addicted to the Needle. It's all about... It's, it's exactly what I think it is. It's about people who are addicted to shooting drugs intravenously. And I'm impressed I pronounced that word correctly as well. Horrible. Why would you have this? But anyways, he's on that Reddit a lot, and he's on this other one, and this is a quote from this article. <laughs> I've never I've never thought I might introduce myself in this fashion. Quote, Doubt you guys and gals remember, but I'm the guy... <laughs> never? I've never had to... I've never thought I would read this sentence. I've never thought I would have to describe myself like this. I'm not. This is what this guy's saying. Quote, Doubt you guys remember, but I'm the guy. <laughs> Doubt you guys remember, but I'm the guy that likes to do meth in public and then jerk off in <laughs> the jerk off in public. How could you forget this guy? How would how he's like? Oh, I don't know if you guys remember me. We're like, dude, we remember you. I'm the guy who we know. You're the guy who likes to do meth in public and jack off in public. He's like, that's me. 
Anyways, he goes into the Starbucks. He's sitting in his corner booth. He has his headphones on. He's profusely sweating from the methamphetamine and the anticipation of watching porn in public. It's his thing. Don't you remember? He's the guy who loves to do this. He specifies he likes watching gangbang videos. He mentions that several times in the post. It's like, I don't care. I don't care. You're not adding to the visual of it, sir. It doesn't matter if you're looking through a JCPenney catalog and masturbating in public. It's gross either way, but no, he's a connoisseur. You need to know it's gangbang videos. And he's sitting there. He doesn't, he's like a genie. He sits there with his arms crossed and he's masturbating. And you're thinking, how in the world? He's a master at this. He's the man who's known for doing this. Apparently he's wearing like sweatpants or something like that. This is going way more detail than I planned. But his erection's rubbing against his thigh. And he's just like watching this video and kind of like shimmying and sweating profusely. <laughs> like stuff that people normally don't do at a Starbucks. You just see some guy sitting in the corner watching a movie and he's kind of doing a little shimmy shake. And he's sweating. He's super disgusting. And that's how he masturbates. Now I'm going to give him credit for that. That is a skill I have not mastered or ever even thought was possible. He does this all the time. He masturbates in public. And for whatever reason, this time, suspicions were raised. A barista walks over to him. Now, he's usually really good at this. Normally, he slaps the laptop down and goes, can I help you? And <laughs> sweat is pouring from his face. And he's all flushed. The barista goes, uh, no, no, that's okay. It was just weird how you're kind of shimmying. And she walks away. But this time, he was so lost in his porn mindset that the barista walks over and sees this gangbang video. And it shocks her. And she screams. And then he screams. And he jumps up. Big boner. Now, okay, actually, now that I said that, I can't, I, he says that it was big. It could have been normal sized, right? He's like, dude, it was like eight feet tall. I was like knocking over other people's drinks. I was turning, I was like tipping chairs. It was probably average size. Let's not give this guy too much credit. But he jumps, it doesn't, actually, it doesn't matter how big it is. If you're sitting at Starbucks. If you're sitting at Starbucks and some dude sitting next to you jumps up covered in sweat and has any size boner, I'm not going to be like, whoa, it's not that big. <laughs> it's still bizarre and disgusting. He jumps up. His boner pops up. She screams even louder. He runs out. He runs out of the coffee shop. And he says, as he's running, as, don't worry, this story, this story has a point. <laughs> I'm not just telling this story for... The story has a point. The story has a point. He's running out of Starbucks, and as he's running, his boner is rubbing against his sweatpants, and he begins orgasming in the parking lot as dudes are, as dudes are chasing him. And I can almost guarantee they stop chasing him at that point. If you're chasing a guy and you see him orgasm in front of you, just leave him. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what he's done. Doesn't matter what crime he's committed. Just turn around and go back and try to enjoy your coffee. He runs down the street and he gets on a bus and flees the area, which is a great advertisement for public transportation, right? If you're ever on a bus, you may be on the seat that a sweaty man who just ejaculated in his sweatpants is sitting, running from vigilante justice. He says in this post, this is the final part of this post, quote, I hop on the nearest bus and make a clean getaway. It's not clean. It could be several. It could just be a getaway. Made a clean getaway, covered in jizz, sweat, and the accomplish the accomplishment 
He's, he's very highfalutin. Covered in jizz, sweat, and the accomplishment of knowing I survived my first close call. I'm still a free man to masturbate another day. Unquote. So he is out there masturbating. He's probably listening to this podcast masturbating right now to the memory of it. I'm telling the story for a couple of reasons. One, it is funny. It is a funny story. Two, this story provoked a hostile reaction on the meth board of all places. It was about 50-50. 50-50, half the people are like, way to go, man. I've always wanted to do that, but I've been too scared to try. Other people were calling him a monster, saying he was disgusting, saying this better be made up. How dare you? It was bizarre. I've never seen a meth addict get indignant. Very, very indignant people on this board. But the main reason why I wanted to cover this story is I wanted to talk about a unique subculture outside of the meth subculture. I've actually wanted to cover this story for a long time. And this story gave me a perfect vehicle to take it speaking. Speaking of vehicles, Splacatorius, I'm going to toss you the keys to the hair hang glider. G Skeletor was just using it. So wear gloves as you're piloting it. Wear gloves, I'm pretty sure I know where his hands have been. We're going to have to put Gammy again in a little backpack. And Splacatorius, take us up, up and away in the hair hang glider. We are headed out to a goon cave. I came across this subculture uh, probably about a year ago, and I wanted to cover it, and I didn't. And now, due to my lack of judgment, I'm covering it now. This is one of those weird subcultures that... It's like, on the one hand, I know why it exists. But on the other hand, it seems so innately self-destructive that it's hard for me to understand how it propagates itself. It's a subculture known as the Goons. Or they have a bunch of other terms for them. They call themselves gooners. Why they don't call themselves goonies? I'll have no idea. They totally should call themselves goonies. Because then at least they have the slogan, goonies never die, right? But no, they call themselves goons or gooners. Or this one's more self-explanatory, pornosexuals. These are people who identify their sexual attraction as porn. And you go, well, isn't that kind of, isn't porn innately sexual like you want? No, no, no. I, like, I'll watch porn of, like, a busty girl walking down the street. <laughs> That's the whole porn. It's only, like, 30 seconds long. It's all I could download on my dial-up. A busty woman walking down the street. And I go, oh, I love busty women. They love the movie itself, the clip itself. These porno-sexuals or goons... And they also consider themselves the anti-nofap. Which doesn't make sense, because nofap, you have fapping, which is masturbation, and then nofap, which is anti-masturbation. They're anti-nofap. So one of that just be the, the normal fap? They believe that not only should you masturbate, you should masturbate all the time, but you can't ejaculate. Gooning is the idea of edging. So you masturbate as long as you can without ejaculating. Fine. I mean, like, whatever, right? Like, as an endurance sport, whatever. Someone wants to sit there and do that, and they're like, dude, oh man, I can totally, I can totally get super chafed. That's nothing. I've taken three layers off today. Whoa. <laughs> they can goon all they want. A, but or, or, or edge all they want. I've heard of that before. But goons... 
again, Reddit, a complete cesspool. If you type in, don't, don't do this, don't do this, please don't do this. If you go to Reddit and type in Goon, you'll get, one, a subreddit about the movie Goon, starring that dude from American Pie, and then every other thing will be about these guys. They believe that you should goon all day long. All day long. They have several posts about, dude, I called in sick for work today. All I did was goon. Their entire subculture is images of women doing porn stuff, and it'll say, your goon mommy... I'm trying to go off memory here. Your goon mommy wants you to quit work and goon all day. And that's it. And there's hundreds of pictures like that. Goon for me, baby. I actually do have some of them written written down here. Um, you met a real woman today. It was disgusting. Start porn. I'm not I'm not gonna say the F word. <laughs> as, as disgusting as this episode's been, I'm like, what? Well, I'm not gonna cuss. I cuss in real life, I just don't like cussing on the podcast. So you can listen to it at work. No one's listening to this at work. You met a real woman today. It was disgusting. Start porn, make love to your fist. But the other word. They are constantly talking just they they call themselves fist effers. Just call yourself goonies. <laughs> just call yourself goonies. It'd be way better. There's little gifts of like women doing sex stuff, and it says it's captioned ruin yourself with porn. They want you to call in sick, they want you to ruin your life. Goon caves is where we're at. There's a subreddit called Goon Caves specifically for maximum goon viewing. A goon room. Why don't they call it a goon room? They show a guy. He has five different pornos going on at once. And he's adding a new... He, he bought a projector. He bought a projector to project it on the wall. This is that level of porn. So it's not like if you get home from work... I, I, personally, I find porn extremely boring. Like, I do not watch porn. I'm not saying I've never watched it, but like video clips and all that stuff, I just find it boring. So I'm I'm like scrolling through all of these images and I'm like, to me, it would be the same, it would be the same cool. And if someone was super into building boats and bottles and you loved building boats and bottles so much that it was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call in sick to work to build boats and bottles. It's it, to me, porn doesn't have that like a uh, mental attraction. Or physical attraction. I don't. I like. I was watching this stuff, and I was like, I would be bored if someone made me sit down and watch five monitors of porn at the same time. I'd pull my phone out, and I'd be like, Oh, I wonder what's going on in the news. I find it boring. These people want to ruin their lives over it. And whether or not the guy in the first story was gooning, whether or not he was the first goonie, he was one-eyed Willie. I don't know. He seemed to actually like ejaculating. But I find the whole thing interesting because it's such a self-destructive subculture. The guy at the Starbucks eventually will get caught. He's going to be labeled a sex offender. He's probably going to do like six months or something like that, a year in prison. And it's going to ruin him. And these guys are quitting their jobs. The one guy goes, my girlfriend's gone. Time to go to the goon cave. And I'm thinking, oh, that, that poor girlfriend, what is she going through? So that's not sustainable. It's a subculture that it seems to be getting new and new people into it, but it's so self-destructive. How long can it last? And it's weird because I'm sure there are a lot of goonies. I'm just going to call them goonies. I'm sure there's a lot of goonies out there. 
They may not even know they're Goonies. They may not. This is why I hate Reddit. They may not even know this subculture exists. But one of these days, they're going to stumble across the, one of these subreddits, and they're going to find their brothers and sisters. A lot of women are Goonies as well. They're going to find them, and then that's just going to amplify these gross, disgusting. <laughs> Here's the thing: you go, Jason. Are you kink shaming? If it makes you lose your job, yes. If your kink is telling you to quit work, yeah, that's not a good thing. Okay, that went on way longer than I thought. Splacatorious. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We're saying goodbye to the goon cave. Bye. <laughs> We're waving goodbye to him. We're like, hey, see you later. Thanks for letting us in your goon cave. He's not paying attention to us. His eyes are focused. How, how long could you do that? How long could you do that? You're like dragging me away. You're like, Jason, quit asking questions, please. Let's move on to the aliens or trees story. You drag me reluctantly. I'm still trying to psychoanalyze this guy onto the carpenter copter. Gamigan stays in the goon cave. We see Gamigan grabbing for a jar of Vaseline. We are leaving behind the goon cave. We are headed out to Tuscora, Nevada. <laughs> The year is 1885. We're in Tuscora, Nevada. It's nighttime. And we're on like an old timey wagon train. Sitting, I'm like having a shotgun. I don't have time for all this intro stuff. That first story took too long. We're, we're in a wagon train and we see off in the distance. I'm all describing the type of clothes we're wearing. We see off in the distance, we see a blue light. And then I look at you and you look at me and I'm like, giddy up, cowboys. Let's go out there and check out that light. So we're riding through the brush and we still see the light. We get closer and closer. We don't know what to expect. It's 1885, so not really thinking about aliens or anything like that. We just see a weird blue light off the distance. And when we get to it, we see the source of the light is a tree. We walk up to it. And it's glowing so bright, we actually saw it a mile away. Now that we're close to it, it's hard to tell whether or not it's a tree or a shrub. It's just this giant plant that is glowing blue. I push you towards it, I push you towards it to see what it is, and you land on it, and you go, ugh, gross. And you realize that it has a thick, honey-like substance. It, the tree also stinks really, really badly. You got it all over your hand now. And we notice that the, the glow is coming from this substance. The bush itself isn't glowing, but it's covered in this honey-like substance that's glowing. And now that it's on your hand, your hand is glowing as well. So I first came across this story on the Fortean map. Sometimes the stuff on the Fortean map we can't really verify. This is one of them that I was able to. I was able to find an article on the Mysterious Universe website, which actually sourced this story to a journal written in... 1885 called the Theosophist. So interesting story. Like I said, I found it on the Fortean map. I thought it was kind of a one-off thing, but then I started reading more about odd trees in the Mysterious Universe article. In 1894, in the Badlands of Arizona, there was a 25-foot-tall tree covered in quills. You're like, Jason, isn't that just a cactus? No. No, are cactuses trees? Doesn't matter. This isn't a podcast podcast. It was a tree, but all the quills were, like, laying against its body. So it looked like it was just wearing, like, a flapper dress. But if you got too close to the tree, the quills, fling, would, like, pop up. 
they wouldn't shoot out like a cartoon, but they would just all of a sudden become rigid. Imagine, imagine a thousand boners in sweatpants. Pink would stick out and it would go. It would hiss at you as well as filling the air around the tree with the smell of rotting meat. 1885, you'll start to notice a, a trend here. We'll discuss this as well. In 1885, in New Guinea, there was a German expedition exploring the area. They were up about 5,000 feet high above sea level walking around. And there's just this gnarly tree hanging out there. That's like on a Thrasher t-shirt and a skateboard. There's this gnarled old tree. And what made them think something was weird was there was no other vegetation around it. And there was a bunch of like dead animals around it as well. And for whatever reason, this detail doesn't really make sense. But one of the Germans goes, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to chop it with this axe. That's why I brought this axe to just chop down random trees on our nature expedition. They're like, no, that's the last tree of that species left. He goes to chop a branch off the tree and he gets thrown back. Like an electrical charge hit him. Tossed him back. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. You see his skeleton briefly as he's flying through the air. Turns out this tree was actually conducting some sort of electrical charge. If you tried interfering with the tree, i.e. chopping it up, it would electrocute you. They decided to take a couple samples of this tree. I know. Hold hold your questions. The electrical tree. They were able to take a core sample and a couple cuttings of it. And they continued on their expedition. And as they moved farther up into this forest, they started to see more and more of these trees interspersed with the rest of the foliage of the area. That story, to me, out of the three of them, is the least believable. If they had just stopped with him getting electrocuted, but how are they taking core samples of it? Whatever. All three stories share something that make me a little suspicious. They all take place in the 1800s, late 1800s, and that's when we were seeing stories about giants. It was really where we were at a turning point in science, superstition to science. We were starting to find dinosaur bones. We were starting, because that didn't happen until like the mid-1800s, because we were drilling for oil. We started to find dinosaur bones, a lot of them. And then you started seeing stories of giants. You started seeing stories of these miraculous events, these cannibal tribes, these dwarfs, all this stuff all over the world. So either this was the point where the elves went to the east or the west or whichever direction they went to and all magic left the world. And the 1800s was the last remnants of these folklorish creatures. Or people were just making stuff up. It was to sell newspapers. People would buy a newspaper and be like, Hey, Billy, did you read the story about the quail quail tree? No, Jerry, I didn't. Well, then go buy the newspaper. (laughs) That's the only article today. The quail tree. We'd see this yellow journalism. People making up stories because people were fascinated by this new science, but still had enough superstitions in them to believe everything. That makes me suspicious of these stories. But they're fun stories nonetheless. We don't know whether or not they're true. They're all pretty much one-off things. It's not like I can just start asking every German person I know, hey, did your great-great-grandpa ever get electrocuted? But as I was reading these stories, and especially the glowing tree, I thought, let's put our conspiracy caps on to finish off this episode. What if trees are aliens. That's what I was thinking when I was doing this research. And I'm not saying that every single tree is an alien. But follow me on this course. Follow me through this explanation here. I think it's really kind of interesting. We recently had that exciting news story that really turned out to not be true, that 
mushrooms or fungi were found on Mars. It They're still trying to figure that out, but it's starting to look like it wasn't. It came from a very dubious source, but that dubious source, they may be right this one time. But the idea was is that mushrooms or fungi was found on Mars. I was super excited about it, but the idea of panspermia, that a seed could travel through space or spores could travel through space for eons, it doesn't need a starcraft that it needs to be built and then maintained and refueled, even stuff with solar sails or faster than light drive. These are all artificial things, and artificial things can break down either through error or accident, but a spore will just travel through space. And if you have spores and seeds traveling through space forever, that it's designed by nature. You don't there's a unique power when nature designs something versus man designs something or or hands design something. So we have panspermia, seeds coming down. And these seeds coming down and landing in various planets and sprouting as trees or bushes. That would be a far easier way to spread across the galaxy. And our thing with aliens is, and it's the biggest mistake I think that we do when we look at aliens, is we think of them as us. A galactic federation that builds starships, that puts in control panels, and the, the architect's like, mm-hmm, good job. And all this stuff, that's all the way humans interact with stuff. We form federations. We build craft. If we look at an ocean, we go, what size box do I have to build to get across this ocean? When we look at space, we go, what size box do I need and what fuel do I need to get through space? And so I think that's a big problem when we look at alien motives. We hunger. We want to consume goods. We want to consume resources so we think aliens would do the same thing. Or we want peace in a clean, clean environment so we think aliens would want to do the same thing. Plants are completely devoid of all moral decisions. They can sit there motionless for decades, for hundreds of years, gathering information, absorbing nutrients. And you go, Jason, that'd be really boring alien invasion if they're just trees. But they wouldn't be here to invade. They would just be here to survive. And maybe even to infiltrate. But not again in the way where they eventually get giant Douglas fir. He's going to walk into the United Nations, start throwing acorns. We live and die in a wink of an eye of a giant redwood tree. They care nothing for our cities. They care nothing for our culture or our art or our little babies, little, little, little precious little baby people. They don't care about any of that. They're just mighty, mighty trees that have been around longer than most countries have existed. So what if there are trees out there? They could be singular trees like these stories that have come from another planet. A single seed that has landed. And these seeds could rain down all the time and we never notice them. But when they land on a planet that has the right soil, the right water, the right atmosphere, they sprout. And they may be just a singular tree or they may be a well-known tree. They may be a well-known tree like an aspen or Douglas fir, or something like that. And it so fits our environment that it actually looks like it evolved naturally here. 
I started thinking about that conspiracy theory. I started thinking, what if that'd be a very easy way for an alien to come to Earth and just to gather information and doesn't need any global plans for domination. It just exists. Just like a penguin isn't trying to take over Antarctica. A penguin just wants to eat fish. Just because if aliens came down, it doesn't mean that they have to have a noble or an evil reason. They may just want to come down. I started thinking about that, and then I went into crazy conspiracy land. That part wasn't crazy. Our history, human history, is rife with magical wood. Staffs of the old days having miraculous abilities. When we think about, think of, when I say this, I want you to picture this in your head. When you think about a haunted house, what is that house made out of? It's the wooden houses. It's the old wooden houses. And you go, well, Jason, that's just because of the stereotype, that's just what we see in the movies. When you think of a haunted house, it's the wooden house. You never look at a solid steel art deco house and be like, oh, oh man, old man Metagrity lives there. What's the number one thing that you hear about in haunted houses? One of the number one things. Slamming doors. What are doors made out of? What I'm, what I'm saying is that wood has built into it a mystical, almost magical, almost alien quality to everything else on this planet. Wood seems to be imbued with a life force that we do not find in rocks, in stone, in steel. People prefer wood. They go, I love the look of it. I love the look of this hardwood floor. But why? Is it something that we just find pleasing to the eye, or is it something else, something, if we stopped using wood, we would stop planting trees. And if we stopped planting trees, we'd all suffocate. But you know what I mean? Like there's, there's specific types of wood that we prefer to use. Are we actually choosing to use that wood because it's pleasing to us? Or are we in a way being mind controlled by these trees to spread them further, to create these forests of them, these particular trees? Have we already been invaded? Have we already been conquered by wood aliens? Bunch of Pinocchios walking through the forest. You know what I mean? Trees. Have we already, like, when we're in the... Think about how many people go, I love to be in the outdoors. I love to go in the forest. What if it actually, there's some pheromone in the air that is making us love trees, making us worship trees and wood? So we want to spread it. We want to make the world greener, more trees. And we decorate our house in those hardwood floors, in those doors. You go, Jason, that's ridiculous. People don't worship wood. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But there is at least one billion people on this planet who do, in a way, worship wood. Their religious icon, the one that protects them, makes them feel safe, makes them feel not alone is wood. It was made from wood, and to this day the image is often wooden. There is at least a billion people on this planet who worship the cross. We're always afraid of an alien invasion coming in the future. It could have started before mankind even appeared on Earth. 
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.